0: I hope you're feeling good. Welcome to the Creative for Experience podcast, where we explore elements of your past and how it impacts your future. And I'm excited because you're tuning in. I'm so thankful. Listen, this podcast. We are on episode number 11. Welcome tuning in to it. And listen, I gotta, I gotta let you know, I am amped out of my mind about this interview uh, with Dara Brustein, who is going to be on the mic. Uh, rocking it here in just a few minutes. We had a great conversation, a lot of different topics, such a cool story that she has about um, her 10 year journey of being an entrepreneur and all the things she's learned. And in the studio today, I got my daughter, I got Piper in the building. Say hi really loud, say hi Piper. Yeah, she was a little not too loud, but chill right there for a minute because listen, I believe that uh, life and work and family and business and all the things should collide if you're doing it right. So, work life balance is a myth. If you want to challenge me, hit me up because I listen, I know that life in general is designed to be beautiful and messy and awesome. And today I got a chance to hang out with my daughter at work. So, we're kicking it. But listen, the uh, Creative for Experience podcast, we started off with this little section called That Ish is Crazy. And something I think that is absolutely crazy is the fact that Tiger Woods came back from a large, over-a-decade deficit and stuck it to the face of all the people that said that he could not win the Masters. And listen, I am so thankful. I am so thankful that he did. And the way he did it was was amazing how calm he was. Absolutely dominates the Masters in the middle of, like, tornadoes coming through Atlanta, craziness going on. What was really fun and interesting for me, is watching the moment, and everybody's got opinions, right? Everybody's got opinions about how it should look and how it should work, and how his dad, when he won the Masters many years ago, I think it was 97, his dad gave him a giant hug after 18, and he kind of reenacted that moment with his son at the end of the 2019 Masters. And, and the way I felt and the emotions that went through my body when I saw the transference of a father to a son and then a son to his son Um, It just inspired me in such a beautiful way. And so I would just, as I was sitting on the couch watching it and thinking to myself, I wish I was there. That was the first thing. But immediately following that thought, how am I transferring to the next generation the love and encouragement that the next generation leads? Listen, if you are somebody who is in your 40s, 50s, or 60s, the people in their teens and 20s and 30s are looking to you for encouragement way more than you think they are. So spend time today figuring out who I could encourage, not who I could give advice to, who I could talk down to, who I could encourage. Because listen, your life experience matters. The history, the things you've gone through matter. And that moment for Tiger Woods, seeing all that he's gone through, good and bad. You can be a hater if you want. He's made some bad choices. I get it, all that stuff. But listen, all the things he's gone through to get back to a championship level was beautiful for me. So I think that is just crazy. It was really fun to watch, and I hope that you go encourage somebody today. So do that thing. Listen, episode 11. You're listening because you want to hear something that's hopefully inspiring. Well, listen, Dara Brewstein is an unbelievable entrepreneur who's done some incredible things. And I'm, I'm looking at her website right now, and it says, let's work together, design your life, build a business to fund it, and network to support it. And she's got this really, really cool vibe. She's been Time Magazine, Forbes, Inc., CNN, The Huffington Post, a lot of really, really cool um, publications. She's got this free download on her site called the 55 best questions to ask to break the ice and really get to know someone. And I downloaded it. It's cool, like really practical tips on how to connect. And her big vibe is relationships and connecting with people. And she's done interviews with Deepak Chopra and Shaquille O'Neal and like all these celebrities. And it's really cool. But when I talked to her, there's really this down to earth vibe. And so we, we dove right in. We had a lot of fun um, with the Experience Factory, so you're going to enjoy that a lot. But this interview in particular, I would love if you'd share it, screenshot this thing, post it, at Billy Bowie. I'd be glad to repost that if you do. And uh, anything, any, anytime somebody listens for the first time, I want to say thanks for joining us. And if you can hit that five star on iTunes, if you like it, it helps us move up in the charts and all that good stuff. And leave a comment about something you enjoyed from the podcast on Apple Podcasts. It would really help as well. So enjoy this episode, number 11, with Dara Brustein. Hey, Dara, what's happening?
1: I am doing great, Billy. How are you?
0: I like it. I am so fired up that you're on the show. I've been a fan from afar, watching your content, seeing the books you read, looking at the things you've contributed um, in different magazines, publications. So I am humbled to chat with you today and excited you're here.
1: Likewise. Thanks so much for saying that.
0: Absolutely. Well, here on the Creative for Experience podcast, folks that are listening in, we like to have our guests introduce themselves and share a little bit of who they are. And then we're going to jump into some questions about your experience and your story and how it shaped who you become. So for the listeners out there, they don't know who you are. Tell them what's up.
1: Well, I think bottom line, I'm a connector. It's the reason I was put on this planet is to connect people to people and people to resources to better all of them. And the way that I've done that has been through many entrepreneurial different experiences. About 10 years ago, my twin and I started a credit card processing company, which through many ups and downs, we have grown into 38 states. We, I also subsequently started a company called Network Under 40 and at one point also Network Over 40 that produces networking events for young professionals in a number of mid-tier U.S. cities so they can make friendships first and business connections second. Through that time, a lot of this happened in the height of the recession and I saw our economy fall apart and I thought, how can I help? So I decided to write a children's book on financial literacy education for six to nine year olds. And continued my writing endeavors, writing for outlets like Forbes and otherwise.
0: That's fantastic. And the uh, you mentioned the starting with your twin, you kind of ran right by that. So, mm-hmm. how big is your family?
1: It's five of us. Older brother, who's also an entrepreneur.
0: So was uh, was mom and dad entrepreneurs as well? Is that kind of something you saw from the beginning? How did you how did you decide to go into that journey for uh, starting a business?
1: So, my mom was an entrepreneur. She was basically a career entrepreneur. And my dad was an executive in the financial services space. So, we had this really interesting blend of financial literacy and entrepreneurship, which is a lot of what you're seeing in me now. Um, But interestingly, the word entrepreneurship was never used. I just knew my mom as a business owner. And hilariously, now that I look back at it, I actually really disrespected it. It wasn't something that was applauded in my family. And so, it wasn't something that I was chasing after. But I always had this side hustle kind of thing going on as a kid where I would be out on our deck and I would be making jewelry and trying to sell it to my parents' friends, or I would be going door to door for all the school fundraisers and selling both my stuff and my brothers and trying to win all of the contests. And it just was kind of in my blood really early, but I didn't have quite the language for it, nor even was aspiring to do it.
0: Yeah. Do you think that uh, being an entrepreneur is something that is born or something that you learn
1: I think it's both. It's an either or. I think some people are born for it. I definitely think I was hardwired to have some of that in me. Whereas I think other people happen upon it because of circumstances and or they find the right idea or life even much like it did for me. I was laid off three times and found myself wanting to direct my own path a bit more that, you know, circumstantially you can find it to be a great opportunity for you to have more control and freedom in your life.
0: Well, isn't it interesting the the experiences we go through? You mentioned being laid off three times. It, it brings to your awareness some of your gifts and talents from your youth. And I was just uh, talking recently how I was always the kid that was selling blow pops, baseball cards. Whenever it snowed outside, which was rare in Atlanta, but when it did, you know my friends would go sledding. I would go to Home Depot and buy a shovel and try to actually shovel snow and find somebody to pay me five bucks to do it. I think that's a, uh, there's many different, um, entrepreneurs that I admire, but I look at people that see that not as a, um, negative thing or detracting thing or something that's not on the earth that, uh, you need to stop complaining about it and like actually make, make it happen. So it's been fun for me to look at my own personal journey and my experience and look at that DNA hardwired to go get after it, but also some things you'll learn along the way. And it's, a. Uh, it is a fun, fun thing to hear that that your mom was that way, but it also is pretty normal for me to hear that that was frowned upon. Isn't that interesting? That how this this generation, sort of this time frame, entrepreneurship is sort of on a pedestal, right? It's uh, like,
1: yeah, it's so the new rock star <laughs> of our culture right now.
0: But isn't it measured mostly from people that can raise a round of funding from a VC instead of actually starting a business? I, the people that I meet it the successful entrepreneurs are more of how much money did you raise versus did you actually add value to people and they paid you for it?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I definitely think we got really deep into this entrepreneurship model of freemium where everyone was giving everything away for free and it was just about how many eyeballs do you have, but there was no actual revenue coming in the door, nor a pipeline for that to happen at any point. And like you're saying, it's how much money did we raise? Did we hit other benchmarks like did we hire x number of employees or did we hit a million views or fill in the blank but none of those things actually turned into revenue for so many different companies so i am a big believer in bootstrapped entrepreneurship i love the idea of lifestyle entrepreneurship it's everything i've done with all of my companies where i've really cared about how does my business elevate and uplift the goals i want for my life and my lifestyle as opposed to i've watched my brother for example be one of those guys who's gone through series c he's raised over 60 million dollars in his company And it's completely consumed his life and he doesn't get to spend as much time with his family. And it's an entirely different proposition. So whether or not we're calling one or other entrepreneurship, I think it's all entrepreneurship. But I think at the bottom line, it's really about identifying, can you make sure that what you're building is in service to what you truly want in your life?
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And deciding that maybe it's um, people that work for an organization and you make a good salary, you enjoy where you work, but you're able to turn the switch off, and that's what that's what you do, and that makes you happy. Whereas someone who I want to grind and get after it in the season that I'm in, and not judging how someone's awareness to either one of them or one being elevated is right or wrong is just which one, which one makes you the most happy. I think that's the the variable of success for me. Well, I, I got to I got to see you on uh, on LinkedIn. I saw you put out a post, which is the blessing that you and I get to talk. Uh, today. I was actually, um, I'm in a mastermind this year with Lewis House. I don't know if you know who Lewis is. Yeah. it's uh, It's been really fun this year to be in the Greatness Mastermind. And and while we were there, they said, you know, dream bigger on who you could have on your podcast. And and I've been admiring you from afar. And then when I saw your release that you were trying to get on 30 podcasts in 30 days, I figured, hey, like maybe the stars are aligning and I could actually get a chance to chat. So tell me, tell me that, that concept. You said, hey, I want to, I want to be on 30 podcasts in 30 days. Why did you want to do that? That's such an interesting. That is such an interesting goal. So I'd love to hear more about um, why you decided to do that and the results that you're seeing so far.
1: There's a lot to unpack there. First, I have to say thank you. That's so flattering and complimentary. So thank you. absolutely. I, I'm Jeff in it. Happy to be here. Um, secondly, there's a lot of reasons. We talked a little offline about this, and part of it is I had spent the first about 90 days of 2019 with my head really in the weeds in one of my companies. And when I popped my head back up, I had this realization that I had really distanced myself accidentally from the real intention or why behind what I was doing in the first place. And when I did that, I thought, you know what, I know from experience that when you start giving and you give of yourself freely, that a lot of beautiful things emerge and that it would also really deeply reconnect me to the mission, which has a lot to do with teaching and connecting with people and sharing story and sharing vulnerably of my experiences in hopes that other people can learn faster and better than I did. So that was part of it. Also too, I think there's just a tangible piece to it that I could have just said, Hey network, I want to be on some podcasts and a couple of people might've answered or I could have said five and then a couple of people would have answered and then everyone will have thought, Oh, but she hit her goal. And I decided to say 30 because one, I knew it would push me Two, because we talked about this as well a bit that I'm working on my second book and one, that comes out, a big part of what you have to do is a media push. And those can be exhausting. And I wanted to make sure that I was scrimmaging before the big match and that I was getting out there. I was deeply connecting with people, understanding what was resonating, getting better at my craft and making a mutual value out on both sides. And then lastly too, I think something that was really reassuring is when we're in this time where so many people are talking so critically about social media, I'm such a believer that social media is simply a tool and the way in which we use it and we give power say to it it. Has, say it yeah i mean it's it's what you do with it and so for me i i have always used social media as a platform to add and give value and in this case i think it was the perfect time to have an ask and just say listen folks do you know someone that has a podcast and that they might want want me to be a guest and people love to say yes and they love to help and the more actionable and specific you can make it the easier So I put it across my Facebook and my LinkedIn, and I got so many responses, hundreds of responses. And that's why you and I are here. And it's just been a really fruitful reminder that social media can be for good. And that when you are cultivating your network and utilizing that as one space to do it, how powerful the outcomes can be.
0: Well, I'm sure you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is. And I love the statement he makes is that social media is a slang term for the current state of the Internet and that we can't demonize the platform, it's either just going to magnify some really good things or magnify that you're a jackass. Totally. One of the two things, right? Totally. And if a you're... lot of
1: things are all about your own story and perspective. If I look at social media and think, oh, it's horrible, it says that's what I'm going to find, just like in life. So I look at it as a place to see the beauty that's going on, to reconnect with people, to have touch points, to share value. And that's what I also get
0: from it. Come on, you're firing me up right now. I didn't know we were going to vibe like this. That's what I'm saying. All right, so um, Creative for Experience is the name of this podcast. So this is a question that might be tricky to answer to narrow it down to one thing. So if 15 things pop in your mind, try to pick just one. But what is your favorite experience of all time?
1: This is a cheating answer because my favorite experience is an experience I gave to someone else.
0: Ah, there you go. All right, tell me more.
1: My favorite experience was for my older brother, Aj, who I mentioned, the one with the Series C. His favorite football team since we have been children are the Miami Dolphins. And I had a random opportunity in Italy, I guess two summers ago, where I was at a mastermind and I met through it the NFL's official photographer. And we were having a conversation and I have a hobby of black and white photography. So we were talking in depth about photography and our love for it. And I said to him, Do you ever shoot the Dolphins? And he said, Yeah, of course, I shoot every team. And I said, Well, I don't know if this is crazy, but I said, My brother is a diehard fan. And he also was a hobbyist photographer and an exceptional one at that. I said, Is there any way he could come to a game with you? He said, Absolutely. So that was a couple months before my brother's birthday. So we strategized this whole thing. I set it up so he could go to a live Monday night football game at the Miami Stadium be on so cool. be front line on the field, shooting the game with an all access press pass. He got to be wow. there before the game even started, roaming around the entire stadium. And I remember to give him the present, I created a PowerPoint presentation where each page sort of unfolded the next piece of it of, you know, you're going to a Monday night football game in Miami. You're going to be with the NFL's official photographer. And like, it just kept unfolding and unfolding. And at the end of it, I said, if this isn't a gift that you like, then I retire from giving gifts because this is by far the best gift I've ever given someone. <laughs> and when he left, he said that was the best experience of my entire life,
0: which Come on.
1: transversely made me feel really great. So that was my favorite experience.
0: Well, it's it's amazing. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that. that. That could be looked at as, hey, look look how awesome I am that I did this gift. But, but it is really important to be reminded that the gifts that we give there can even be a greater experience on the giving than it can be there on the receiving. Yeah, that's the secret so of like,
1: giving is it's actually not that selfless. Like we, we do it because we feel really good and that's okay. If that's the motivation we need, then keep giving.
0: Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and shout out to every Friday, I put out something called the Keep It Fresh Chronicle. And I wrote the very first line of the email. It's kind of a weekly newsletter I put out. And the first line of that email, email is, I've had a really tough week. Can you relate? And then I share the the top four things um, that have helped me as I go through a tough season. And one of them is just self care. Yeah. And I and I talked about however you're wired, what whatever you are put together, whether it's Enneagram, Myers Briggs, Colby Strength Finder, all these different assessments give you a lens of who you are. But ultimately, you need to know what your self care thing is. Some it's meditation, some it's going for a walk, some it's being with people, and figuring out that even how to do something selfish, as you said for yourself might be for you to give away something and to do something for someone else. So for me, when I'm in my worst times are some of the best times for me to give an experience for someone else. It just cheers me up and encourages me. And so uh, that's a, that's a good word. I like that. Can I um,
1: share a a little trick I have for that?
0: Do it. I want to hear it.
1: So when I found myself in a rut for a while years ago, I remember thinking in the same framework and I thought the fastest way to get out of a rut is to focus on helping other people So I made a personal challenge for myself. And I said, for the next 30 days, I'm going to intentionally instead of passively go into every day, finding one person who I can offer to be a resource or help to in some way with absolutely no strings attached. And at the end of the 30 days, I felt so alive. I felt so connected. My relationships felt deeper. It was fantastic. So I kept doing it. And then last summer, or maybe the summer before that, time flies, I put it out on Facebook, another great use for Facebook. And I basically said, listen, I did this give it forward movement for 30 days. Who wants to do it with me? I think it'd be fun to do it in community. And 300 people signed up in 24 hours. Wow. We started a Facebook group just to share stories and otherwise. And it was so powerful to see the ripple and domino effect that happens when you go into the world looking to do for others and you are explicit about there no being no strings attached. It is profound and it gets you out of a rut really, really fast.
0: And I got to hear from a uh, Robin Sharma who wrote the 5am uh, club. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Mm-hmm. Um, he came out to the mastermind with Lewis house um, a couple months ago and he talked about the 5am club and the power um, of this new book coming out is really when you can get inward and get right with who you are, you begin to come so free with serving others, which makes you so happy with the inward and, and the concept of getting up early. We've all heard this, but getting up early and spending time with your intentions on the right thing. It, it definitely helps you get to that place of giving and pouring out and, and that's when the joy comes. So yes. I love it. I might take you up on that challenge starting yeah. tomorrow. Come on.
1: Start today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. Start today. So I'm um, going to ask you a little bit about music. So what song um, takes you back to a certain uh, moment of joy? Is there a certain kind of music? And I, and what I'm getting at here is maybe the listeners haven't really identified uh, the folks that are tuning in to what kind of music really gives them a great experience. So do you have a type of music or a certain song that, that makes you come to life or brings you back to a great experience?
1: So many, I am obsessed with nineties R and B. That is my everything.
0: <laughs> yes. Nice. What artist you got a certain artist you love? So many.
1: I just went to Lauren Hill's 20th anniversary. Yes. An album in LA. That was incredible you know, SWV, I was all about that. You know, you name it, 90s, I was there. I'm still, still there. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yep.
0: <laughs> I love it. Well, I have I have a, uh, on my wall, I started collecting, I don't know if you know what fat heads are, but they're huh? just these enlarged heads on my wall. I'm looking right now. I have Lauren Hill. Um, I have Tupac. Let's see. Who else do I have up here? I've got Chance the Rapper, Jimmy Fallon, Macklemore. Um, so I've got a bunch of different styles of music and artists but if you if you want me to come to life take me back to 80s and 90s hip-hop that's kind of my era too but when you said s double sw i was like okay I, I can get down with that and then lauren hill the same way so that's good that's good i love that. we'll get to get we'll, we'll get together and have a jam session exactly. i like it you
1: need to go to one of those 90s concerts
0: <laughs> come on come on um so i want to go a little bit to uh some things you've overcome so i love to give our listeners a chance to hear obviously you're super successful in what you've done. You're still. Learning and growing just like the rest of us in your trade. But I'd love to hear some things you've had to overcome to get to where you are now. And that could be a physical thing that happened to you, a certain situation, or it could be mental obstacles you have. Just tell me a little bit about some things you've overcome to get to where you are now.
1: So I could go on and on about this. One, because I think it's important. I think a lot of us are showing the highlight reels. A lot of us are looking at this American idolization of entrepreneurship where we think we're all going to be unicorns when those are you know, mythical creatures in the first place. I think it's really important to talk about the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. So thank you for this question. I'd say there's been several physical things, but mentally the biggest hurdle for me has been the I'm not good enough story. It's Mm -hmm. the thing that I have tackled and run into the wall of at every step of pushing out of my comfort zone into the next thing. This really vivid memory of being at my freshman orientation, my first day at Emory and my dad, who admittedly is not the most aware guy of people's emotions, <laughs> he stops me and he says, I can read it all over your face that you think that you're not good enough to be here. And he said, you got in here just like everybody else did. You mm. need to kick that out of your head. And it's literally, I just got chills. It gives me chills every time because it is such the embodiment for me of how I historically and often still walk into spaces, both physical or emotional, where... When it's a new space, I'll think they're smarter, they're better, they're prettier, they're more experienced, fill in the blank. And then therefore, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. It's already been done. Just like keep rattling off the inner critics. And so I've had to adapt and learn a lot of methods to combat them. But that being said, I think it's also refreshing because I've come to also realize if I wasn't tackling that inner critic, it would probably mean that I wasn't trying very hard and I was living in my comfort zone.
0: Mm. Well, you said the walking into every room and looking around you. And I think the demonization of social media is just that Where Oh, all, all it is you're scrolling and comparing yourself for me as I, I look and I'm inspired by, if you totally. can figure out how to rightfully place and, like we said earlier, learn how to encourage others and serve others and their gifting. It just makes your gift want to come to life that much more. So it's interesting to hear a a successful entrepreneur leader like you who's got a book, you've written children's books, you're a contributor for Forbes, you still saying, Hey, this is something I'm battling through. So I think that's encouraging in itself that maybe we have that in our lives to remind us that each day we need encouragement, that we can provide that for ourselves, but also for others. That's a I love that. I love that answer. It's super, super encouraging to me. So thanks for saying that. Well,
1: it's interesting because when you find yourself in a room like Lewis's mastermind, those are the exact kind of spaces we all need to find ourselves in and not necessarily specifically that. But what I mean is if you're not surrounding yourself with people who make you look back on yourself and think, wow, am I really being and doing my best that then trigger those thoughts in your mind, whatever those Achilles heels are for you, they don't necessarily sound the same. Then you're probably in the wrong rooms. So it's important that you're putting yourself in those places, not to the point of you thinking this is defeating, but to the point where it's pushing you along.
0: Yeah, the, the concept I wrote about today was just this cultivating gratitude idea. I got to hear um, Steve Harvey talk about this at a filming of Family Feud a couple years ago. And it's always stuck with me since that moment is that somebody asked him from the crowd during a com- kind of a commercial break during Family Feud. They said, hey, what what keeps you going or what keeps you on top of your game? And he just simply said gratitude. I have a, a note on my phone where I type out all the things I'm thankful for. Mm-hmm. And I'm reminding myself of what I've done and learning how to enter an environment when you have other people around you, not to be cocky towards them, right? But to be confident in who you are, but also a humility of wanting to serve others. So it's this, it's this fine balance of we meet people that are so insecure, they're so cocky, they're so arrogant that you don't want to be around them. Yes. But we also see people that self-demean themselves and put themselves down too. So it's a... It's an interesting thing to tread. How, how have you done that? Now that you're you're an author, you got your second book coming out. Um, I'd like to hear just from the first book. How did you work through the success, uh, the not success, the things you thought would happen, maybe the things you didn't think would happen? What was it like for you to put out your thesis into the world? and then learn how to overcome whether people would receive it or not. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So the first book you're referring to is the children's book on financial literacy. And that was interesting because I already had all of these things in my mind telling me, who are you to write this book? You don't even have children. And then I come out with it and I had been paid a lot of lip service. I had gone with this intention in my mind and very naively of everyone needs this and We're in a recession and parents don't have time or the own capacity or in many cases don't have the tools themselves to know this information. So this is the perfect thing to interject and help the kids learn it directly. And I had spoken before it came out with a lot of people at the tops of financial services and enterprises and uh, wealth management companies or banks. And they all said, yeah, let us know when it's out, let us know when it's out. So when it came out, actually, about three weeks later, I was invited to Davos to represent on Youth Financial Literacy, which was incredible. I mean, talk about a space where you walk in and think you don't belong. Yeah. I was 28, I think. And I roll up in this space with 1,500 of the world's most powerful leaders. and like, who am I, this kid with a children's book? And I show up there and I'm making all these incredible connections and having a great time and seeing just truly how similar we are. It sounds so like Us Weekly, like celebrities, they're just like us, but it's true. We're all the same.
0: Right, right.
1: And so I get there and I'm getting all these great contacts. And fast forward to about 18 months later, and I've gotten to the answers finally of yes or no, we want to buy this book and we want to distribute it to our clients. And I finally get the no and I finally come to realize At the end of the day, they were really just telling me what I wanted to hear. They might have actually liked it, but they had steep regulations that wouldn't allow them to do it. And it took me a long time to get to that no. So it was massively disappointing. And so far from what I had anticipated would be the outcome. And then I came to realize, well, hey, the primary other way to do this outside of like nonprofit and school route, which I also had barked up that tree pretty unsuccessfully, was to go the, the consumer route. But for anyone who's written a book, they know that there's not a lot of money in books. So you look at the margins and you think, well, what does this look like? Like how can I really make this work? And so I kind of had to come the cold hard truth that this book was never at that moment going to be as financially or even distributionally as successful as I had hoped for. But that was okay because it taught me some really valuable lessons. It taught me that you're not always going to be able to design the steps that are gonna happen ahead of you you can only play the cards that you're dealt as best as you know how because that's all that you can see and that you have to roll with those punches and so it, I realized how many doors it opened how many people it helped and that even though it didn't become what I had hoped it would as the baby Einstein of financial literacy that I also realized that I had a lot of other momentum in my other businesses and that if I would take the gas my, pet, the, my foot off the gas of this business and put it back onto those and let that sort of simmer on the side that I still feel to this day that there will be a time where that comes up as the primary thing again, because I know how important it is. But I think everything in life is about timing and circumstance. And I realized that that just wasn't the right time.
0: Yeah, it's so good. The, um, I have a, a moment where I did something similar. I took something in my mind that was creative that I wanted to put out to the world and thought it was going to be a, a beautiful, it was going to drop and be a great video. I decided to ride a skateboard, one of the boosted boards that's kind of an electric skateboard. I rode it around a parking lot with a microphone on and I talked about the future. And just talking. it was going to be great on YouTube, be such a great video. It got like 70 views. I mean, like hardly any views. But the one view it got was from a gentleman who um, works at a massive organization. And he said, hey, anybody who has um, the cojones to ride a skateboard and do a leadership talk about the future. I want you to come speak to our group. And it was a, one of, one of the greatest speaking engagements I've done financially, but also it, it came from a humble beginning of just getting your art out there yeah. and something it does. I heard, um, I heard Ed Sheeran say this one time. Um, actually I've heard it many times cause it's on a movie, the songwriter documentary. If you haven't seen it, those of you listening in go check it out. But he goes back to his high school and he's talking to all the artists and all the musicians that are at his high school and he's talking about how he creates music and he says, when you turn on a faucet that hasn't been turned on for a long time, there's dirt and soot and like nasty stuff that comes out. But eventually, if you let the water flow, that's when the pure water comes out. And he said, a lot of time in creativity, you're just turning on the faucet and it hasn't been turned on forever. If you turn on like a spigot outside, you see it's just nasty, but you've got to get past that to kind of let your idea flourish and who knows uh, what's going to happen as the ideas go after that. I love your comment. You said, um, I fairly unsuccessfully barked up that tree. I love that. I love that (laughs) statement. Um, So I, uh, I can relate to that in a lot of areas, but uh, that's the joy, the joy of the journey. Looking ahead in your life, what's next for you? You mentioned the, uh, the second book that's coming out. Share a little bit with the listeners of, of what you're up to now, maybe some of the ways they can connect with you. What are you up to now?
1: I've been really fortunate in the first 10 years of my entrepreneurial career to have planned in part and also accidentally backed into creating time and financial freedom for myself, primarily because my first company is residual income based. I own a credit card processing company. And because of that, about two years ago, I had this deep intuitive knowing that something in my career was evolving and it was my job to pause and figure out what that was. And when I stopped long enough, I realized that the number one question people were asking me was how do you live the life that you do? And what they meant by that was how do you start these businesses? How do you travel 50 to 60% of the time for pleasure? How do you write for these outlets? How do you partner with people like Deepak and Shaquille O'Neal and all these celebrities? How do you write books? How do you, you know, fill in the blank? But for them, they were just like, how do I take the reins into my own hands and define success for myself as well? And what are the tools that you did to get there? So at that point, I thought, you know what? I've had the fortune to be in this position where I can take time, energy and resources and invested into helping other people in this way. So I started writing the book that you mentioned, which will be out in a couple of years.
0: What, what's it called? Does it have a title? Does okay. it have a theme?
1: No no okay. title yet. But most of my work is really around this idea of life by design, not by default. And so that's our working title. But nice. but the book is really about, and this is what a lot of my work now is about, and most of it is free. I'd say 99% of it is free. Is it's how do you stop and figure out what your life really should look like on your terms? What does success look like for you and how do we begin to map that out? Then how do we know once we've done that, what it costs to live that life so that your business or your career can reverse engineer into financing it and elevating those goals as opposed to consuming it like it so often does? And then the really important last piece is how do you build your community or network to support you and your dreams and open the doors to the success that you're seeking? So what I do now really encapsulates all of that.
0: I love it. I love it. Woo, you're on fire. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, well, listen, I'm going to see how on fire you on right now for a transitional statement to our experience factory, which means we are going to place you inside of the factory. <laughs> and we're going to give you some things to work with, some, some tools, some resources. And I want you to recall these sound effects are here. I want you to recall... Uh, some things in your life from a past experience and what that takes you back to. It could be something funny, could be something serious. Uh, There might be a couple tunes in there in the middle. So listeners, I want you to do the same thing as, as Dara's hearing these. I want you to uh, hear this sound and see what it recalls for you. Cause when you're created for experience, you got to remember the things that are good and tough and let it uh, simmer so you can become a better person. So I'm wondering, are you ready to go the experience factor?
1: I'm ready to take this audio Rorschach
0: test. (laughs) <laughs> let's go. <laughs> Pretty much what it is. Okay. Let's do it. You ready for, for number one? Yes. Katie, let's go.
1: So that reminds me of being 18 when I grew up in Baltimore and going to the 18 and up clubs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So rolling up in the club, was it like the, the horn went off when you walked in? Do you I like mean, put your hands up and say, Hey, we in here.
1: Need interludes of that horn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay. What, what's our next one? What do we got?
1: that reminds me of cartoons growing up like watching i don't even know what's your favorite Looney tunes or something growing up
0: (laughs) were you like were you like a tom and jerry or more of a scooby-doo
1: whoo probably more tom and jerry
0: okay i feel you i feel you i feel (laughs) you how about this one (laughs) keep listening keep listening
1: That's real taking me back. That reminds me of middle school and high school and getting my AIM account and talking all night to my friends on AIM.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> what was your What was your handle name? Do you remember what your first handle was? Or like AOL a- 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 email? I
1: don't remember actually, but I was about to tell you my first eBay handle, which was I like, I buy. <laughs> I-,
0: <laughs> I love that. I remember when the internet came out, so I was a senior in high school and I remember going to my freshman year of college of having to sign up for the internet and having dial-up. If you sign up for 30 minutes, you knew seven minutes of that was going to be actually the (laughs) dial-up process. So a lot of fun. All right, next one. Here we go.
1: So I moved to Atlanta for college, and that definitely reminds me of Tuesday night club nights.
0: (laughs) I like it. So I see a club theme. All right, what about this one? Right, what do you think?
1: That reminds me of the movie Girls Just Want to Have Fun with Sarah Jessica Parker, who I'm told was my doppelganger, and I was called by my father, Darrow Jessica Parker.
0: Okay. All right. All right. I like it. How about this next one? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know we had to.
1: This reminds me of having my first car in high school and blasting this album with the windows down.
0: Yes, you did. Yeah. I could just visualize you now. Sarah Jessica Parker, just with the, yeah. the windows down. In my jeep.
1: <laughs> go, in, go into the club. Go into the club. Exactly.
0: On the way to the club. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's do, a couple, let's do a couple more. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? All right, what was that? That
1: reminds me of Wayne's World.
0: Mm, shout yes. out. Yes. Yeah, Katie, yes. Katie is pumping her fist yes. right now yes. in the studio. So
1: I have this weird skill where if there is a song that was in a movie, and I have seen that movie. I will immediately reference the movie. This actually once won me a bottle of tequila in Mexico. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, we got tequila, we got the club, we got Lauren.
1: More fun than I actually am on this podcast.
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, Katie's getting fired up right now because she lives her life through like songs yeah. and movies and quotes to New Girl. That's kind of how ah, she lives. Yes,
1: I feel like I'm half older <laughs> than you, Katie. Otherwise, I'd be going toe to toe with you on Billy Madison quote.
0: All right, let's do one more. One more. Yeah. 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 Pause. What do you hear? I
1: don't hear. I can't make out what that is, but it kind of just reminds me of someone saying something annoyingly. So I'm going to say that reminds me of my twin brother's friends who were always around annoying me.
0: Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. It's interesting, that sound effect. Up in North Georgia, Gainesville High School, there was this ninth grader that – Looked up the word Laurel online, and it sounded like Yanny. Have uh, <laughs> you heard this like crazy social media craze it that went on? But it was this word that
1: blue dress, that... but sound effects.
0: Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, but look that up, listeners. If you haven't heard the craze of Laurel versus Yanny, go look it up. Tell him Billy. He sounded it. really so,
1: Yanni, but I kind of heard Gary.
0: <laughs> Gary, <laughs> Gary. <laughs> we heard Gary. Well, I mean, so there's now three <laughs> things you can hear. That's good. <laughs> So as we're closing this thing down, is there anything I didn't ask you or anything that you wanted to say to the listeners out there to encourage them, to inspire them, or tell them to get to the club? Whatever you okay. want to do, anything you should club, tell
1: But I mean, there's a lot of things. I think if I had been able to talk to my 18-year-old self and not saying your listeners are 18, but if there was stuff that I could have known earlier... A lot of the things I would have said were like, one, be your own biggest advocate, that there isn't going to be this knight in shining armor that rides in and makes everything happen for you. They're not going to blow your business up. They're not going to give you the token that you need to make it work. They're not going to solve all the problems. You have to be that person. Another would be to find mechanisms to quiet those inner voices. And often those mechanisms are just action. That even tiny baby steps build into immense amounts of distance and momentum. And you can look back and realize, look how far that I've come. And that lastly, it's make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who are going to elevate you. There are seasons in life. And sometimes the people who are helpful and wonderful and a great part of your life and your journey in one season are people who move a little further into the periphery at different stages. And that's okay. And for some of us who hold guilt around that. You just have to release it.
0: Yeah, isn't that, man, whew, that one gets me because it's tricky as as you get a bit older and you journey through your 20s, 30s, obviously whatever season of life you were in, you look at a relationship you once had and there's a guilt that holds that I should still be there, but they're not on the same life path as you and the same proximity to you. And there is a guilt that comes I know that's something I deal with a lot. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, other um, piece
1: if I can say too is, I think goals are important and having direction and knowing where you want to go is important. But I also deeply believe that having a looseness to the attachment to the way that those unfold is equally important. So when I look at all the things that I have achieved, so to speak, in my life and career, the majority of them are not things that I would have planned But because I stayed open and available to opportunities and because I'm a person who believes in giving and generosity without expectation in return, and because I do that, it cultivates a beautiful community around me who wants to create opportunity for me as well. None of it would have happened. I mean, you know, you talked about my work with Deepak. He and I have a video series every week together. And at one point, not that long ago, about a year ago, Deepak was just this name that I admired from afar and studied his work. Now I listen to his meditations with Oprah many mornings and I'm thinking, Deepak's a guy that I get to spend time with every week. And none of that would have happened if I didn't stay open and I wasn't doing all the things that I shared here today.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, you're incredibly inspiring. I'm super grateful that you spent some time on the podcast. I hope listeners, as you're tuning in and hearing this podcast, that you are encouraged and there will be something that you would decide in your life that living by design is much more important than living by default. That'll be the the main takeaway for me. And I'm uh, cheering you on as you finish up your book. And as you get that out there, we'll uh, pump that up here with the the crew. But uh, Dara, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Thanks, Billy. Really appreciate it.
0: I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did. And if it add value to you, if it added value to your life, would you please hit that five star, leave a comment, let me know. And listen, on the place, the little land, we call it Instagrams. That's the place where I spend a lot of my time. Uh, Insta story post. I go live every now and again, sharing concepts and things that I'm learning and going through And would love to have you join in the journey. Anybody that gives their attention to this point in the podcast and means you're still listening, you're, you're an invested listener and I'm so grateful. My gratitude extends massively to you. And I hope this experience you heard from Dara really encouraged you to live a better experience because life is short because listen, you were not created for normal. You were created for greatness and you were created for experience. Thanks for tuning in.